Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com, a proud affiliate of the Hockey News. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat, and the Pittsburgh Penguins are currently riding a three-game losing streak, which puts them at 2-4-0 on the young season, but that's just it, Horwat. It is a very young season, and we have plenty to get to in this episode. We're going to talk about the pair of injuries that the Pittsburgh Penguins have been hit with here early in the year. We're going to talk a little bit about what's more concerning, the roster on the ice or what we're seeing effort-wise on the ice. And at the end of this show, I'm going to tell you, dear listener, why this is the perfect opponent for the Pittsburgh Penguins coming up tonight in the Colorado Avalanche. So stay tuned for that. But Horwat, before we get into all of this, what's going on? I heard you're going to be on TV here (laughs) in the coming Uh, days. Yeah, I got my close-up, and I think it's already (laughs) up, sort of. So, okay, so it's TV in Canada. Let's start there. Uh, it won't be easy for us Americans, <laughs> south south of the border, if you will, to find. Um, it was part of it was with the hockey news. It was the hockey news pregame show um, for October twenty fifth. It is posted on their website. At least I have not been able to find the video yet. I'm still searching. Mm. I'm sure I'll find it. Find the video outside of uh, just within the story. I will once we're done recording here. I'm going to tweet the link out to the story. At least you should be able to find it there. Uh, and if it becomes easier to find the video segment, I will put that up as well. Basically, uh, me, Ryan Kennedy, and Michael Trakos, who, Michael Trakos, I know he's told us before we started recording, is changing. His, they're changing his title all the time, but um, so it's kind of the overhead of the Hockey News team sites that mm-hmm. you've been reading all of my stories on and Berlansky's stories on, as well as uh, Jacob Pintori's stories on and everyone else in the league. Um we just chatted penguins for about 10 minutes i think it was eight to ten minutes um and it was all good stuff and i have this have a screenshot here in front of me of <laughs> uh my face on that you know how when they skype people in on tv just right mm-hmm. on the, the, the face right in the middle of the two people of the talking heads so um i got my first tv time that was a lot of fun there you go. Well, I hope you're ready to talk Pittsburgh Penguins for a little bit longer than 10 minutes today, uh, as you're contractually obligated to do. We don't have contracts. But uh, we're going to talk a little bit of Pittsburgh used Penguins. <laughs> we used to. Yeah, we used to uh, back used in the to. old days of the the THPN era. But uh, let's talk a little bit about the Pittsburgh Penguins when it comes to the injury front, because they were hit with their first real injuries of the regular season. Obviously, Jake Gensel did deal with an injury with offseason surgery, but he was ready for the beginning of the regular season, and it hasn't been an issue since. So first pair of injuries here for the Pittsburgh Penguins. They took the ice yesterday for practice following their 4-1 to loss to the Dallas Stars. And a pair of players missed practice yesterday. One of them actually started practice and then left partway through. Uh, John Ludwig obviously not present. He's dealing with a concussion after that collision that he had in the second period of Tuesday's game with Stars forward Radic Faxa. Uh, obviously, he is out indefinitely, and with concussions, you never know how that's going to take and how long that's going to take for at the heel. So obviously, thoughts go out to John Ludwig. Uh, unfortunate that it happened in his NHL debut. Unfortunate that it happened at all. Uh, but we'll talk about him in a few minutes here. And also Alex Nedeljkovic dealing with a lower body injury placed on injured reserve and potentially being placed on long-term injured reserve here later in the day. So let's start with John Ludwig because, you know, it was his NHL debut. He only played five minutes and 28 seconds before his injury took him out of the game. What were your thoughts on that small sample size of Ludwig before the injury? 
Thought he looked pretty good. Thought he looked pretty chippy, actually. It honestly, it, ironically enough, reminded me of a Mark Friedman type. Just kind of not the biggest defenseman, but isn't afraid to um, you know, get in the tougher areas, play with a bit more of a speed and grit game. And, I mean, he was looking to really show it on... You know the on the play that took him out, which by the way, horrifying to see. Like, um, you know, when any time a player goes down and is basically motionless, it's a scary moment right away, um, and you don't know what to think right away when it happens. Uh, but you know, your mind immediately starts going to a, a million different things. Alex Nedeljkovic said it uh, after the game too, um, that you know there have been a lot of recent not great looking injuries or you know health emergencies happen um and you know when you, anytime you see a man go down like that it's you, when you see someone go down and they're kind of writhing in pain and like making all the motions you know that they're at least aware of what's going on you know mike sullivan said it here too that he almost got it looked like he got knocked out out cold which we've seen in hockey quite a few and it sucks every time um but that was just one of those scary moments that you know it just added a layer of how unfortunate it was considering it was his NHL debut and was probably trying to make a real note with that hit. I mean, it was a huge open ice hit that mm-hmm. um, you could tell immediately. That I saw him skating in. The crowd saw him skating in. He was laying that hit, and there was that big pop of what a hit because we don't see it in hockey too much anymore. And then you kind of see him lift and fall flat straight down, and it was an immediate sucking the air out of everything mm-hmm. um so the scene was unfortunate scary and took i don't want to say took the life out of the team but uh from that point on the game was completely different so um, yeah who, and early signs seemed to be at least a little better though obviously he was able to get up and be helped off and was walking around with medical staff after the game so um we'll see where things get taken from here but uh, extremely unfortunate good to see that he is able to be mobile yeah the good thing is if there is ever to be taken a silver lining out of something like that mm-hmm. is when he fell to the ice he luckily fell on his arm and he didn't fall face first onto the ice surface because that could have created a whole nother slew of problems and that's that was my first reaction because as somebody who's who's been concussed in hockey before, whenever you hit that ice, it, it could create more damage than the initial contact did. So luckily, he fell on his arm instead of just face first on the ice. But again, still, the contact there is, is extreme. The force that was created there was extreme. But of course, you, you just hope that he's able to bounce back. He's able to recover and he's able to, to be okay. And fortunately enough, he was walking around like you mentioned. So that's a good thing to see. And also, the decision that he made on the play. I mean, to take it back into the realm of hockey because obviously... Mm-hmm. It's bigger than hockey, but to take it back into the realm of hockey a little bit, you know, he made a good decision on that play, and it's a decision that not a lot of players in this organization have done in a long time, which is to step up and make that open ice hit instead of stick checking because that's the way Todd Reardon teaches it. That's the way Mike Sullivan likes to teach it is knowing the skill sets of the defensemen that they've had, they like to stick check. They like to try to play, make the play with their stick instead of with physicality, and if it's with physicality, it's just, hey, get in the way. John Ludwig stepped up and wanted to separate puck from player and wanted to do that by taking the player out of the equation. And that's something Mm -hmm. that I don't think we've seen in Pittsburgh by a player that can actually do that and get back into the play. Uh, We saw it with Jack Johnson, but he missed more often than not. We saw it with Eric Goodbranson, but he missed more often than not. 
Ian Cole is the last person that could do that effectively for the Pittsburgh Penguins. So seeing John Ludwig take that step at 23 years old and try to do that, try to play a little bit more aggressively, I enjoyed seeing that. And like you mentioned, it's kind of like Mark Friedman. He's a little bit more aggressive. He had a hit earlier in the game up against the boards behind the Penguins net that I was like, okay, that's something that's a little bit different than what we've seen from anybody else that's in this third pairing battle between, you know, P.O. Joseph, Ryan Shea, Chad Ruedel. He does bring that physicality, which was everything that we expected of him and what was told to us. But, you know, I thought he made the right play on that one, and it's unfortunate that his head was just a little bit too far in front of his body, and that led to the injury. So we obviously hope that everything's okay with him moving forward, but for the Pittsburgh Penguins side of things, they now have a decision to make because at that point it was his NHL debut. He was playing with Ryan Shea, who was playing in his second ever NHL game. The two games prior to that, it was Chad Ruedel taken out of the lineup that night. It was P.O. Joseph taken out of the lineup on Saturday night because of the performance they had together last Wednesday. Where do the Penguins go from here on the third pairing? And who do you expect to be able to get back into the lineup tonight with the absence of Ludwig? In terms of who I expect, I kind of expect it to be both of them going back in, in Ruido and Joseph. Don't know why, that's just sort of the hunch that I'm getting. Um, I, I don't remember who was... Obviously, uh, Shea was rotating in with someone. I can't remember who it was exactly, but I just expect Shea to be given the night off, um, and then they'll go from there. Uh, that's just my thought process on it. Don't know why. That's just what I'm coming up with. That's just the hunch that I have. Sometimes mm-hmm. the Penguins can be very stuck in their ways mm-hmm. and don't want to enforce a lot of changes. And for some reason, this strikes me as a going back to the normal. So I th- just think that's going to be the move. This is just me purely guessing, though. Yeah, in my eyes, looking at where Shea was deployed in this lineup the last two games, it was in favor of P.O. Joseph. Uh, I know that we've seen Ryan Shea play the right side in preseason, but I feel like they're going to go back to, to Shea Ruedel personally. Um, I, I think there's a chance that you see Shea Joseph, especially because you saw Ryan Shea working a little bit on the penalty kill with Ryan Graves, which is where Chad Ruedel was, uh, which is exactly why I didn't expect Ruedel to be taken out of the lineup on Tuesday, but... You know, with Shea being able to make that penalty kill, play the penalty kill time with Ryan Graves, there's a potential chance that you see him bump over to the right side, but I would think that they're not going to try to change too many things up for a young player, not really young player in Ryan Shea, but a player that is NHL lifespan is young. He's played two games at the NHL level. You're going up against a really good team in the Colorado Avalanche tonight, which we'll preview later in the show. I would just imagine that they put Chad Ruedel back in a little bit more of a steady force defensively, somebody that, you know, the problems that they've had were mental errors, and we'll talk about that in the second segment. Chad Ruedel is a player that you expect to not make those mental errors and to make the smart play when the smart play is in front of him. So I would assume that it's going to be Shea and Ruedel, but again, all three rotated yesterday in practice. Uh, Mike Sullivan has uh, kind of been a little off the wall with that third pairing over the last couple of games, so who knows what he's going to do. I would say it's probably best for the Penguins to go Shea Ruedel just to try to keep it as status quo as possible coming out of a game on on Tuesday that, you know, I thought Ryan Shea had performed fairly decently in. Yeah, man, they need Will Butcher to be healthy too, don't they? Just as the the other option. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not exactly sure what their thoughts are on Will Butcher. It's hard to because he really hasn't played very much. Yeah, it's really he's only been in a white practice sweater. It's as far as he's gotten. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see where things go. And for what it's worth, Mark Pissick is still around. There's somewhere, sudden, <laughs> somewhere. Yeah. He still has a stall in the locker rooms. He's still under a PTO on, uh, all of the sites. 
there, there might still be room for that to happen at some point. Who knows? There's all kinds yeah. of things that are still up in the air with the Pittsburgh Penguins and this third pairing. Mm-hmm. Um, the issue is, is every time I see a third pairing and a, the filtering of names in and out, you, I almost want it to become the Chicago Blackhawks of 2015, where it literally was in every other game situation between Michael Rosafal and the other person escapes me, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. They had an actual cycle where it was predetermined almost every other game they'd be going one after another. The Penguins don't have the, the two guys that they can actually do that with. Um, it seems like they want to try to, because the way that they've been filtering names in and out of the lineup based on performance up until this point too, which is um, really a good sign, honestly, when it comes to the Penguins not being so stuck in their ways, like I mentioned. The fact that Sullivan is taking... Of all people, for the first one out, P.O. Joseph, who we all would agree is a good defenseman and will still be a good defenseman in the future, um, but his performance wasn't up to snuff through the first four games of the season, mm. and Mike Sullivan pulled him straight out. So the leash is short for this line, it seems, and they're Mike Sullivan's not going to be afraid to filter these guys. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that's going to be something to monitor. Obviously, we'll see what happens during the pregame skate. We'll see what happens to, uh, in Mike Sullivan's pregame press conference. And then, of, of course, later tonight, whenever the uh, the lineup actually comes out, we'll see exactly what the decision is. But the other injury is to Alex Nedeljkovic, goaltender for the Pittsburgh Penguins. He tried practicing yesterday, but uh, according to Mike Sullivan, his injury was still bothering him. And they decided to go back into the evaluation process, uh, not just to go back into the evaluation process, but to place him on injured reserve and likely on long-term injured reserve as we see some roster moves coming through right now that we'll get to in a minute or so. Uh, But enter Magnus Helberg as the Penguins' backup goaltender now. He was brought in this offseason from Detroit. Uh, He was a free agent, but he was brought in from where he played last year, which was Detroit, alongside Alex Nedeljkovic there. He's 32 years old, has played 23 games at the NHL level, 17 of those 23 coming last season with the Detroit Red Wings. 314 goals against average and an 886 save percentage. So the numbers aren't dazzling for Magnus Helberg, but this season at the AHL level with the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins, he's played in two games, has made 50 saves on 55 shots, which is good for a 917 save percentage. So obviously we await his debut. I respect it's probably not coming tonight uh, against the Colorado Avalanche, especially because Tristan Jari had the night off on Tuesday. Yeah, that's going to be a good expectation for now. I think it'll it'll be rolled with... Jari until there's a back-to-back likely because for what it's worth judging by all of the you know sites here both cap friendly and uh puckpedia alex delikovic is on ltir i don't believe that was part of the initial announcements um no was, there's moves being made right now actually so yeah uh, i'm and sure there's there was, updates coming oh yeah and then there was uh just a few minutes ago while we were discussing Corey andonofsky was sent back down Mm-hmm. Uh, for Redeem Zahorna, who was brought back up. That sounds like paper transaction stuff. Those two did not yeah. leave their homes. Yeah. And Vinny Henestroza also coming mm-hmm. across the state as we speak. Yeah, um, that's uh, from Wes Crosby of NHL.com is where I, I saw it from. I saw it from the Penguins Twitter. Well, there you go. There, two there's two that. sources. We are so well-sourced here. <laughs> two sources. You got to turn those Penguin notifications on. That's the big one. I do um, have but, them, but I got the Crosby one first. Okay, that's fair. Um, uh, but yeah, so that's, those are the movements that are happening. It does look like he is on LTIR and Mm -hmm. the first day he'll be able to come back, uh, November 19th. I'm seeing against the 
Vegas Golden Knights. Is that a home game? That is, in fact, a home game. I yeah. don't know why that can't, that mattered, but... Hey. Um, yeah, until November 19th. So get ready to see some Magnus Helberg eventually. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure how it works because obviously this all happened as we're recording, so I haven't looked into exactly what transactions were made, but I would assume that Helberg was brought up on an emergency basis considering the Penguins would be down to one goaltender with Alex Nedeljkovic going on LTIR, so his roster spot doesn't count. I'm not exactly sure if that's exactly what Dubas decided to do, but I'm pretty sure uh, as far as the CBA is concerned, you can bring up an emergency goaltender in the in the instance that you don't have two healthy goaltenders on your roster, and then they brought up Vinny Henestrosa with that extra spot that was opened up because of that. Very possible. I don't know how they worked it all now that I'm really thinking about it. Um, Either that or they're going to place John Ludwig on LTIR as well. That's the other... I would have... That's the other thing that could happen. That would be my assumption just because, given the circumstance, I would assume that's what happens too because you could use that... um, You could open up that roster spot. So uh, I'll be interested to see how it all plays out. Still have a lot of time until things get moved around. Excuse me. And yeah, it uh, looks like he was moved to LTIR right away, at least on the back end of things. Um, Mm -hmm. We'll just see how things go. Yeah, so we'll we'll keep an eye out for that and look and see what the uh, concurrent roster moves end up being. We'll see if Vinny Henestrosa, who is now with the Penguins... NHL crew if he uh, draws in for an opportunity here obviously the Penguins bottom six has struggled out the gate uh, we've seen a little bit of a spark from Redeem Zahorna coming in we'll see if any Hinnestroza gets an opportunity to provide a spark as well but as of right now we're going to take a quick break and we're going to talk a little bit about that slow start for the Pittsburgh Penguins we'll be right back after this break Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm Nick Berlansky, that's Nick Horwat, and the Penguins, man, they're off to a slow start. The last thing you wanted to see after a summer of change like we saw this summer for the Pittsburgh Penguins was them start 2-4-0. The first five games were all against non-playoff teams from last year. That has been A lot of the storyline here is they were not able to get wins over teams like the Detroit Red Wings. They were not able to get wins over a team like the St. Louis Blues, who have very low expectations this season. And obviously, that has put a damper on the opening of the Penguins season with Kyle Dubas, Eric Carlson, and all the new faces that are involved with this organization. Not only are they 2-4 and to begin the year, but they're 12 or 2. I wish they were 12 for 16. They are 2 for 16 on the power play, which is a 12.5% success rate. Not good. Decent on the penalty kill, 14 for 17, which is 82.4, about the middle of the league. A little above average for the league as of right now. And only one goal for the Pittsburgh Penguins through the first six games coming outside of their top six and Eric Carlson, and that is belonging to Redeem Zahorna. So, Horwat, this is a question that I wanted to pose to you, and let us know in the comments what your reaction is to this question, what your answer is. What's more concerning to you at this moment? How the team is constructed and what the roster looks like, or the effort that you're seeing from this team in the previous two games? I it, it's t- That's actually really tough to put together because... If you ask, if you ask anyone on the team, um, and that includes Mike Sullivan, uh, the effort is there. The effort is, you know, 
being deployed the proper way, except for that St. Louis game. But Mike Sullivan liked what he saw against Dallas. He said that um, the game was the, was a lot closer than what the score showed. And for what it's worth, he's kind of right. The Penguins had almost 40 shots on goal to the uh, Stars' 34, 35 maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, they were beating him out in shots. They... In that first, in that opening period, and part and part way into the second, they were outplaying them at least a little bit, or at least it looked like a very close hockey game. Mm-hmm. You know, something about that, you know, second half of the second and the third period just kind of changed things. Um, but Sullivan was proud of the way the Penguins played that game. the The room wasn't super uh, down on themselves. It felt like either after that loss. I mean, obviously, there's going to be those feelings of frustration because you lost because they these guys are super competitive but the effort seems to be there so maybe i would have to say it's the roster construction because you know all these guys are giving their effort and by roster construction i do mean just the bottom six we said the top six is already performing the way we expected it to this bottom six has been tough so i it was one of those fan accounts I sent this to you, tweeted yesterday during before the Wilkes-Barre Scranton game that the top six there, honest to God, looks better and more competitive than what the Penguins are throwing out in the bottom six right now. Doesn't look as good defensively. It is definitely a scoring-heavy top six in Wilkes-Barre right now. Mm-hmm. But you know what? <laughs> we need some goals in the bottom six, and some of those guys, Vinny Henestrosa being one of them, uh, could bring that to this bottom six. Yeah, the bottom six is gonna be gonna have to play defense too, but. By God, they need some offense. They need some jump to get into the play here to keep the team involved for rolling four lines, which they're just not able to do in terms of scoring. So um, I would say it has to be the construction. The effort is there. We can see it through the shot numbers. Um, and we don't have to talk about the power play. Mike Sullivan is not happy with the power play. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of everything else, the effort seems to be there. It just needs to be the right personnel now. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we continue, I did find the actual designation here as to what's going on with Magnus Helberg. Because he's an emergency call-up, that just means that he'll be able to go back to the AHL once Nadelkovich returns without having to pass their waivers. But his salary cap, or he does count against the salary cap as normal. Yeah. Just wanted to clear that up before we went, because if we didn't, we definitely hear about it, which is fair. Uh, keep us honest. That's that's what we like. But no, yeah, uh, absolutely. Y- your response there is uh, spot on. Obviously, the roster is a little concerning starting the season when you see it as drastic as it has been, right? Like one goal from the bottom six. That's drastic. But I think to me, the worst part is because it's still a new team. And you saw Eric Carlson talk about it yesterday. He said, you know, we play that Stars team who pretty much has the same team. They just had to, to cycle in one or two players from the offseason. We have nine or ten. And again, eventually that excuse wears out because it's exactly what it is is an excuse. There is some merit to it, though. So I, I do want to not, you know, chastise this group as a whole when it comes to the personnel until you see them actually get some chemistry on and get some opportunity to play together a little bit longer than six games. But the effort is definitely the bigger concern to me at this point because it's not just, hey, you're being beaten by a team that just performed better than you. The Penguins outperformed the Dallas Stars for the majority of that game, I would say, because they did the first period, definitely, Mm -hmm. 100%. The majority of the second period, they did. And they still got their chances in the third period, 
Although they did look very lackluster in their body language when they weren't in that offensive zone, when they weren't on the power play, when they didn't have the opportunities basically right in front of their faces, they kind of just shrunk down. And I did not like seeing that. I thought the body language, I thought, you know, the mistakes that they were making in the third period, that was very uncharacteristic of a team that should be laden with, that is laden with veterans, that should be smarter than that, that should make better plays than that when it comes to the mental errors and the mental mistakes. And, I understand. Losing streaks suck. They're now on a three-game losing streak. You never want to be on a losing streak. That's a tough place to be. But it's three games, and it's the third week of the season. Why are they so distraught already? At least as distraught as they looked in the third period of that game against the Dallas Stars. Why are you that distraught? Does the John Ludwig thing play a part in it? Yes, but... I mean, Sidney Crosby looked disinterested, and I cannot say that very often about Sidney Crosby. The entire team just looked exasperated by the end of that game. Now, was it because they lost their third straight game? Maybe. Was it because mental mistakes took them out of the game that they were 100% in by the time the third period began? Maybe that's it, too, but... If that's all it takes to get them to that point, this is a team that's not going to go very far because it's a long season and you're going to face adversity. The fact that that's the first time that they've really faced adversity, this is the first time this season that this group has, and that was the reaction, that's a little worrisome to me. It's not, you know, 10 bells, sound the alarms, they're done for, but that's a little something that in the back of my mind I'm going to I'm going to keep, you know, at my attention as I watch over the next couple of games because that was uh that was something that was, you know, I was in a little bit of disbelief seeing some of the body language from this team on Tuesday night. Yeah, I'll have to keep an eye out for that as well. It's uh, if the body language thing does speak loudly. I just didn't, I wasn't looking for it this time around. I think um, it was just more of a, are these guys getting frustrated? Because, you know, obviously they're going to, but it is a matter of focusing on the fact that, like you said, it's just the third week of the season. There is still a ton of, um, hockey ahead. Uh, they just have to fend off those feelings of frustration, getting into the right mindset and looking forward to still a really long season with um, a team that once it gets clicking and once it gets rolling, it, it's going to be a scary team. You, Sidney Crosby is still Sidney Crosby as ever. Now, Kenny Malkin's off to a pretty good start despite you know having a off game. Uh, Chris Letang is still Chris Letang. Eric Carlson is going to bring immense amounts of offense from the defense, and his defensive game looks pretty good. It's an underrated part of what he brings. Um, who knows what Tristan Jari can still do? We really haven't seen him at a consistent at a consistent pace yet because the pacing of the schedule started awfully. Yeah, uh, it was what one game on, couple days off, back to backs, three days off, a game, three more days off, basically on the road. St. Louis, a couple. It's we're finally getting into a rhythm here, um, so maybe Tristan Jari can also get himself into a games played rhythm. I mean, I know he's one and three, but if you're able to find a consistent, uh, find some consistent playing time, things could stack up, mm-hmm. and you know we expect some pretty big things out of Jari this year. And also, here's a great chance to show it. You don't yeah. have your backup for a little bit, so yeah, here we yeah. go. I would assume the the split between Helberg and Jari is going to be a little bit more skewed Jari than you would have seen if it was Nadelkovich and Jari. And, and you saw that already. I mean, 
Nadelkovich getting the start against Dallas, I think, was the first step in seeing that, hey, this is not going to be a starter backup situation. They're hoping that this turns into a 1A, 1B, and they're going to treat it as such until proven wrong. Uh, unfortunately, Nadelkovich is now out and on LTIR until mid-November, but... You know, we'll have to see what, what Tristan Jari is able to do in this role again, but we've seen him in this role. We saw it at the beginning of last season. We saw it again the year before that. Whenever he is the unquestioned starter, he is the workhorse. For time, a little bit of time at least, he's shown that he can actually take that and turn that into a positive for him and get his game on the right path. Now, the problem with that is usually after he gets his game on the right path, he wears down because an 82-game season is a long season to be the unquestioned starter and only get breaks during back-to-backs. So you're hoping that Helberg can come up and continue to try to pace him a little bit more than we saw from DeSmith in years past, but at least Tristan Jari has shown that for a time being and a little bit of time, he can carry that load as a workhorse type of starter. Uh, the one thing that I wanted to, to bring back before we go to the next segment, you mentioned frustration and they, you know, they, they got to get off that frustration. I don't think that being frustrated is necessarily a bad thing. It's how you respond to that frustration that is very important. Because if you turn that frustration into a positive and use it as fuel, it could be a very good thing. Hey, you care. That's great. Mm-hmm. But if you take that frustration and it turns into what we saw on Tuesday night in the third period, which is, oh, I'm just exasperated with this. Oh, I'm over it. Like, that's horrible. That's that's the wrong way. But the root of it is the frustration. And if you could take that frustration and turn it into a positive, turn it into fuel, it could be something that actually sparks this team and something that sends this team into a much better position in the coming weeks. But we're going to take a quick break. When we return, you know, I think the Avalanche are the perfect opponent for the Pittsburgh Penguins to face while they're in their current rut. I'll tell you exactly why after the break. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by Inside the Penguins. The Penguins, they take on the Avalanche tonight. Crosby versus McKinnon, it's one that Crosby always seemingly gets up for. It's one that the fan base seemingly always gets up for. It is a rivalry, sort of, uh, not necessarily because they only play two times a year and there's not really bad blood between them. It's kind of like... You know, your cousin from across the country that you see every once in a while. And it's like, hey, nice to see you, but there's always that competitive edge. That's Penguins versus Avalanche. And we'll get to see another chapter of that tonight at 7 p.m. when the puck drops in Pittsburgh. Penguins, for the first time, wearing their third jerseys as they will for every home game on Thursdays this year. Got to see the Pittsburgh Diagonals coming up for the first time this season. Historically, they perform pretty well on those Pittsburgh Diagonals. We'll see if that mojo can continue. But on paper things aren't getting easier for the Pittsburgh Penguins. The Avs are one of three remaining unbeaten teams in the NHL. They're 6-0-0 on the season. The other two teams are the defending champs, the Las Vegas Golden Knights, as well as my Stanley Cup prediction, the Boston Bruins. I predict them to come out of the Eastern Conference. They're 6-0-0 to start the season. You predicted the Avs to come out of the Western Conference. They're 6-0-0 to start the season. The Stars are pretty good as well. Uh, They were my Stanley Cup prediction. So at least on that aspect... We're three for four on teams that we predicted to be in the finals, having a good start to the year. Uh, The fourth team being Horowitz's Stanley Cup prediction of the Pittsburgh Penguins. But hey, listen. Calm down. (laughs) Listen. (laughs) Listen. I'm just saying. (laughs) 
<laughs> hey, you know, I'll, I'll be a little transparent here. If you do go find that video of me on TV, I did say that I kind of handed up a little bit for the podcast. So you're welcome, viewers and go. listeners. There we go. But when we look at this matchup tonight, the first thing I want to ask you before I get to my uh, my hot take of why this is the perfect opponent for the Pittsburgh Penguins, as we've been you know, previewing throughout the entire show, what would a win tonight do for this Pittsburgh Penguins team beyond giving them two points in the standings? That gives them a lot of mojo, right? That's You can't beat the bad teams, but when you beat a good team, it gives you a little something different. Let's look at the Steelers for the last how many years. They've always routinely struggle against teams they should be beating. Uh, but once they go in and then they take down Tom Brady for some reason, it's, oh, look at this team being really good again. Mm. Um, it's I'm sensing something like that with the Penguins could easily happen here. Uh, and I think I know where you're going with when it's the perfect time and the perfect team to play right now for the Penguins. Um, the Colorado Avalanche are rolling in A, undefeated, and B, just set an NHL record. That can be ended tonight as well. Um, they just set the NHL record for most consecutive road wins. Believe it or not, at 15, they haven't lost on the road since March of, well, early March, March 4th of 2022. That would 23. Be <laughs> yeah, I need to edit something. But, uh, yeah, it's been a while for them since they've lost on the road, so it's going to be a challenge, but mm-hmm. also something uh, the Penguins should be ready for, and one of those things where it's a good time to catch them. It's mm-hmm. that you know that peak. The Avalanche are hitting their peak. So it's got to come down eventually. Yeah, yeah, and it certainly would call off the dogs, right? You beat the Colorado avalanche on home ice in front of your home fans, the fan base gets a little bit eased up. You know, mm-hmm. obviously this fan base does not forget quite easily. Uh, they're, they're not going to sit there and say, okay, all is well. That ends well. The penguins are now three and four, but they beat the Colorado avalanche. They would be their first real win of the season in my eyes, because the capitals to me don't pose uh, much of a threat this season that they're not a team that has been impressive to start the season. Same thing goes for the Calgary Flames. They're not a team that has looked good to start the season. So it would be the Penguins' first victory over a team that has looked good in this current year. With the Avalanche coming in at 6-0-0, a lot of people are saying, oh, it's just getting worse, it's just getting worse. And I said the same thing, because on paper, yeah, it's just getting worse. You know, you've, you've lost three straight, you looked completely defeated at the end of that stars game on Tuesday. And now you have an undefeated team in the Colorado avalanche that on paper looks like a crazy team. Once again, I mean, Kale McCarr, Mika Rantanen, Nathan McKinnon is Gabe Landeskog healthy. I don't know. I, I keep losing track of whether or not he's healthy. He's not healthy right now, but to me, it may be the perfect time for the Pittsburgh Penguins to take on the Colorado avalanche. We saw it last season. The Penguins went two and zero in their two games against Colorado. And people, specifically Penguins fans, never had more faith in the Pittsburgh Penguins than after a 5-2 win over the Avs at Ball Arena in Colorado. There were a lot of ups and downs last season. It was a roller coaster. But when you beat the Avalanche on the road, and in that game specifically, I mean, Jeff Carter had two goals. The top six looked good. Tristan Jari looked phenomenal in that game. There was hope that, okay, this is the start. This is showing that this team is at the very least a playoff team, right? They would go on to not be a playoff team. They would go on to not perform at the level that they did against the Colorado Avalanche. But when they showed it in that one, it was the fact that they could play up to that talent. They could play up to a team of that caliber. 
and that was in the midst of a four-game losing streak. They had lost a game to the Montreal Canadiens, two straight to the New York Rangers, including that embarrassing 6 to nothing loss on national television at Madison Square Garden. And then they lost 2-1 to one to the Ottawa Senators, where they were playing a little bit better through portions of that game. Sounds a little familiar. The Penguins have now lost three straight games, two of them to teams that are one of them to a team that you don't expect to be very good. One of them, a, a slightly embarrassing loss to the, the Detroit Red Wings that they save face a little bit in the third period. And then a game against the Dallas Stars where they played a good team and they looked good for portions of the game. It's the same exact scenario. The only difference is the Penguins are playing at home this time instead of on the road. Not only that, the Sidney Crosby factor. I said that I was disappointed in Sidney Crosby's effort at the end of the game on Tuesday. There's nobody better than for him to face than his buddy in Nathan McKinnon. It seems like there's very few matchups. Maybe the Flyers, the Capitals, and matchups against the Avs where Sidney Crosby gets up as much as he does for this matchup. The Penguins are 8-4-1 against the Colorado Avalanche since 2015. Crosby in his career has 12 goals in 19 career games against this team. I think that because of those factors, this is the perfect time for the Penguins to take on the Colorado Avalanche. And I think it's going to lead to the Penguins having, at the very least, a game where you finally say, this is more like the team we expected them to be when we entered the season. Something really dumb about the Penguins being really good against this team, right? Something really dumb about that. It's like the Penguins and the always losing to the Blackhawks over the years. How is that uh, just possible mm-hmm. especially the state the penguins are in right now because we just given the history of the past few seasons that the penguins have put up against the avalanche um the penguins are going to come in like a house of fire aren't they this is going to be that game where they do where we, where we do look at them and go oh, okay yeah this is it this is the team you i'm not a betting man but if i was you know maybe i'd throw some cash down in the penguins direction or in certain players direction directions because yeah they're this is the sort of game that this team has historically and almost always gotten up for, at least in recent memory. Especially at home. Uh, think back to the Brandon Tanev overtime goal a uh, couple seasons ago against this team on national television. You brought up last year at Ball Arena. Um, there's a couple other you know games that are coming to mind, but the Penguins are, you know, recent history, pretty good against this team. There's no reason why that shouldn't continue tonight. Again, uh, we know Colorado's coming in at 6-0, longest road winning streak in NHL history, but good good opportunity to knock them off their pedestal, sort mm-hmm. of. Get them, get, hit that peak. It's, every peak needs a little down, so mm-hmm. time to hit that sort of downfall, be the catalyst for it, and turn it into your own momentum. Mike Sullivan said they're not worried about other teams. They're going to study the other teams and be ready for them, but they are, their main focus right now is their own and getting to their game and the way they want to play. And tonight is a perfect night for that. Yeah. I think Rob Rossi said it on Twitter teams on winning streaks are not as good as the streak seem makes it seem teams on losing streaks. Aren't as bad as as the streak makes it seem. So we're going to see a clash of those two things happening later tonight with the penguins and the avalanche. But before we go here today, what is one thing you need to see from the Pittsburgh Penguins tonight against the Avalanche? Other than, obviously, you need to see a victory. But what's one thing during the game, one thing that about the game that you want to see the Penguins do uh, differently or better in, in this one? 
Man, it's gonna. I'm gonna go back to the bottom six scoring until it finally happens. We need to find some sort of juice down there, more than just a redeems a horn of goal in garbage time. Uh, we there needs to be some sort of step up in the proper direction. Maybe Vinny Henestrosa slots in tonight. You know, maybe he can provide some sort of speed and uh, offense to the bottom six. Uh, maybe if it's redeems a horn of scoring again, that's perfectly fine as well. Um, I'm just really curious to see how long how long the leash is for these guys in the bottom six really it's mm-hmm. what six games now was that how many were in yet yeah, six games in two goals between sorry one goal between mm-hmm. the group um and it's just not running the way i don't th- i think anybody expected sure we were expecting a lot of defense but i think you, you gotta chip in you just have to. There are guys in the minor leagues right now that can't that will bring that offensive punch. Um, because don't get me wrong, yeah, you need defense in the bottom six, but man, we need scoring now. The Penguins need mm-hmm. to score. Yeah, yeah. I want to see two things tonight. Uh, first and foremost, I I want to see them lint- limit the mental mistakes. You're never going to play mm-hmm. a perfect game. I understand that but you need to have fewer turnovers in your own zone. I mean, I've been saying that for the past week. So obviously that's something I want to see tonight. I want to see them take care of the puck in their own zone. And secondly, I want to see them get a little bit more traffic in front of the net in the offensive zone Uh, because, you know, they've controlled the opportunities. They're getting a lot of opportunities and some of them are some very good looks, but we've said so many times already this season, it's six games in. And how many times have we said, man, that opposing goaltender looks sharp at some point. It's not the opposing goaltender. At some point, you're making that opposing goaltender look good because your opportunities aren't as good. You know, they look good. Sure, a one-timer from the point from Crosby when it looked like it was open looked good, but at the end of the day, Ottinger slid over and made that save. He made it easily, and Mm -hmm. he stared down Crosby after he did it because nobody was in front of him. He saw the play developing. He knew exactly what was going to happen. He read the play, he followed the play, and he made the play. You need to get some traffic in front. You need to get garbage goals. They talked about it yesterday in practice. A couple of players did. You know, we we can't score the prettiest goals all the time. You can't win in this league consistently by trying to score Harlem Globetrotter-esque goals. You have to get some dirty ones. And the Pittsburgh Penguins have been relying so far on the top six, and they've been relying on scoring those pretty goals. And that goes for the power play. That goes for five on five. Yeah, the penalty kills a different story, but... They need to get guys in front of the net. They need to make it hard on these goaltenders, not just to make the saves, but to see what's going on in front of them. They need to be able to to be in front of the net and have a presence in front of the net from the opening faceoff to the final whistle. And that's one thing I want to see. I want to see them get a little bit dirtier tonight and get in the dirty areas, muck it up, and try to score some goals from inside the crease. Yeah, they've scored a couple from inside the crease, but a lot of that is on passing plays. Opportunities because they're in there and the passing play just worked out perfectly or a bounce went their way. That's what you need more of. You need more of those opportunities from in close, less of them from the flanks, and less of them from the top. I understand that you're going to get shots from up there, but somebody needs to be down there to collect the rebounds or get a deflection or something of that manner. That's what I want to see from this Penguins team tonight. Get in front of the net. Make life hell for Alexander Georgiev if he's in net for the for the Colorado Avalanche and muck it up a little bit because the Penguins haven't been doing enough of that, and it shows when it comes to the goal scoring. Yeah. That's exactly what they need to do. Just get in front of the net, make it hard to see everything, and give each other that good opportunity. Get the mm-hmm. dirty goals. Like 
You're right. Multiple multiple players did say that. You're not going to win on just your skill players and all your skill uh, mm-hmm. skilled goals. You need goals from everywhere in every way. I understand the top six is like very good, but it's a Herb Brooks quote from Miracle on Ice. Gentlemen, you don't have enough talent to win on talent alone. Mm-hmm. The Penguins have a lot of talent, but you look at the bottom six, maybe that's what you look at. Hey, you don't have enough talent to win on talent alone. Let's get a little bit better when it comes to rebounds. So we'll see what they're able to do. Penguins and the Colorado Avalanche tonight at 7 o'clock. Can they get on the right path in game two of this season-long four-game homestand? They got the Senators and the Ducks coming to town over the weekend. But we'll see what they're able to do tonight against the Colorado Avalanche. That's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Remember, you can find us on YouTube at Inside the Penguins or you can catch us anywhere you get your podcasts from.